0: Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Alison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode number 66 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. I am a solicitor and employment law specialist. I run my own solicitor's practice, Real Employment Law Advice. This podcast is brought to you to give you updates on employment law and HR best practice and all the things that are happening in the employment law world, as well as hopefully some tips and hints on how to be a better employer, better manager, better HR professional. So thank you very much for tuning in. I've got a really interesting episode this week following on a couple of cases that have been in the news, so hopefully you've already heard of them and just bringing you a bit more detail about them and the legal implications. So I'm going to get into this week's content. (laughs) So those of you who listen regularly will know that in episode 61 I talked about a case going through the London Employment Tribunal regarding Uber drivers. And if you didn't listen to it, basically Uber drivers were claiming that they had employment rights and Uber were saying no, we don't have any employ they don't have any employment rights. We don't employ them and therefore they are self-employed persons. If you don't know what Uber is, it's basically it's an app that you can use on your smartphone to uh, get taxis, so to get private hire taxis and that sort of thing. Um, it's a new innovative way of ordering uh, taxis, I suppose, is the best way of putting it. And each individual driver basically um, signs on to the Uber app when they are available, to do work and then uh, depending on where they are and where the location of the customer is then they get assigned to a job by the app and then they go off and do it and the way it's unique is that not only do you just call from your phone and you can track where the driver is you can see the driver's photo their lumber plate and the type of vehicle uh, but you put your card on there so you register your card on the app and you so it's cashless so you know in advance what you're going to pay. The money is taken from your account and then Uber pay the drivers after they've taken their percentage of of what is due. So it's a bit different to your normal taxi service. And in any event, what was happening here was Uber drivers, the various Uber drivers got together and brought a claim in the Central London Employment Tribunal. And this week, the outcome has been released. So the judgment has been released. I think it was just on Friday, actually. That the news came through and the London Central Employment Tribunal ultimately found that Uber drivers in this case were workers for the purposes of the Employment Rights Act. Now if you go back to episode number six of the podcast, so going back some time, I did talk about the three different types of status of persons in sort of an employee um, business relationship And I explained that there were employees, workers and self-employed persons. And there are various cases that are going on about this. And in fact, just last week, if you read my blog posts and you get my newsletter, you will have seen that I wrote about a case with Hermes, the delivery company, where there was a question about their employment status there. And so it's a hot topic and something that goes on quite regularly. And in this case, so as I said, they were the Employment Tribunal had the opportunity to decide in three ways with regards to the Uber drivers. Either they were employees, self-employed persons, or workers. And they decided that they're workers. Now, what does that mean in reality, in practical terms? It means that as workers, with the, the status of worker, the Uber drivers are entitled to be paid the national minimum wage, They're entitled to paid holiday and they're also entitled to protection from whistleblowing. They're not entitled to rights such as unfair dismissal and other various things like maternity and paternity, but they do qualify for national minimum wage and holiday, which are quite important. So, what does the Employment Rights Act say about the status here? Well, for those of you who are interested, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Section 230 of the Employment Rights Act sets out the definitions. So it says, at one, in this act, employee means an individual who has entered into or works under a contract of employment. Two, in this act, contract of employment means a contract of service or apprenticeship, whether express or implied, and whether oral or in writing. And three, in this act, worker means an individual who has entered into or works under a a contract of employment or b any other contract whether express or implied and whether oral or in writing whereby the individual undertakes to do or to perform personally any work or services for another party whose status is not by the virtue of the contract that of a client or customer of any professional business undertaking carried on by the individual so in the employment rights act and in the working time regulations there is a distinction between the rights that are given to employees and workers and then it would come back to this definition which is why employees have certain rights and workers have rights to as i said national minimum wage and paid holiday so those are the definitions obviously it's not really that very very helpful on a practical basis so what, what did the Employment Tribunal in this case, the Uber case, consider when they were looking at those definitions? Well, the information that's come out from the judgment is that the Employment Tribunal were actually rather scathing of Uber and their submissions to their defence in this case. Uber had tried to say that various things were happening, which were trying to shape the relationship in such a way that it would not fall under those definitions of worker or employee. And actually, the reality of things was that it wasn't happening like that. So, for example, the Employment Tribunal considered that Uber had basically created fake invoices, which were actually generated by Uber on behalf of the drivers in order to try to indicate that they were acting in a business. So they generated these invoices that were allegedly between the driver and the customer to try to show there that the drivers were providing their service as a business to the customers and that they actually used language within their contract terms to try to twist the way that the relationship actually was. And really what Uber were doing in reality was very different to what they were saying they were doing in their contract terms with the drivers and just generally. When I talked about it in episode 61, I also mentioned that Uber had told the uh, Greater London Authority Transport Scrutiny Committee that they were actually creating job opportunities and one of the things they were trying to promote because some people were and still are a bit concerned about the way that Uber has developed and the impact that has on sort of the traditional sort of black cabs in London And so they were saying, Uber were saying, no, we, you know, we're great. We're going to generate tens of thousands of jobs by this new technology. You know, it should be embraced. But then on the other hand, they were saying, well, no, we haven't got employees. They're all self-employed persons. And in London, Uber actually have 30,000 drivers. So what the tribunal said is, how can you be saying that you've got 30,000 essentially small businesses operating here? Because apart from a couple of drivers who have more than one vehicle, they um, each only have one car, you know, so it's one man in his car logging onto the app, going out and doing work. And the tribunal said, how can that be that they are all small businesses? So they really just didn't agree with what Uber were saying. And really, actually, what was happening is all the contracts um, that were taking place are between the passenger and Uber via the app, rather than between the passenger and the driver. Interestingly, this kind of conversation has been taking place in America as well. And there was a North California district court decision recently involving Uber, where their drivers were trying to do a similar thing. And they court in that situation found that Uber don't simply provide software, it actually sells rides. Because what Uber were saying was, no, we're a software company, we're not a transport company, we can't possibly have these people as our workers or employees. Um, And in, in California, they decided otherwise. And in the court in London, they agreed. Some of the observations that were made by the Employment Tribunal here were that Uber actually interview and recruit people, their drivers. They control the key information about passengers, about their identity and their destination. Uber can accept or cancel trips. It's not up to the driver to do that. And they often provide a default route for the driver, They fix the fares. They set the conditions on which the drivers work. They offer a rating system for drivers. So if you use the app after your um, ride is over, you can rate the driver using the app. And obviously that's used then for sort of performance management of drivers. So if a driver, I imagine if a driver was getting lots of one stars, they would either be removed or wouldn't be assigned jobs. That Uber hold the risk of loss here. So if somebody were to soil the taxi, you know, somebody was sick in the taxi, then Uber would cover that cost. Um, They would deal with any complaints. And they could also amend any terms and conditions between passenger and Uber and also between Uber and the driver. So taking it all into consideration, the Employment Tribunal were satisfied that they met the definition of worker, and not an employee. And although it didn't expressly state this, one of the reasons why, in my opinion, they were workers and not employees is because there was no mutuality of obligations, which is a requirement for an employee. So there's an obligation to provide work and to accept it, and also um, a stronger element of control. So there was some control between Uber and the driver, but really it was down to the drivers when they log on and when they log off so they don't actually have to turn up at any particular time and there's no obligation on Uber to provide them with work at any particular time so that's why it went from being and that's why it was considered by the tribunal that they were a worker and not an employee. So a really important case because there are lots of these sort of service businesses that are developing with new technology and using, you know, people to, to undertake those tasks for them without actually necessarily engaging them as employees. So it's an important decision. It is only at the first stage of the employment tribunal. So that decision isn't binding on another employment tribunal. However, Uber have already indicated that they are going to appeal this. So it will go to the Employment Appeal Tribunal, and obviously the Employment Appeal Tribunal decision would be binding. And looking at it, unless something strange happens here, um, it's likely that this case is probably going to go all the way to the top, which is the Supreme Court to decide the issue because of its importance, as I say, moving forward in the way that people are working and the way that businesses are developing using new technology. So having some definitive answer on this is going to be important. So it's likely to go all the way. And obviously, if it does, then it will become binding. Now, what's happening with the cases at the moment, there are various other cases that are in the employment tribunal system that are of similar or from other Uber drivers. And those are just placed on hold or stayed whilst the decisions are awaited from the higher courts. And then once that comes down, then the local and regional employment tribunals will then hear those individual cases So, it's a case of one step now and really watch this space. But it is interesting to consider, and also uh, if you're interested in employment law or if you run businesses, that you understand the distinction there between an employee and a worker, as opposed to an employee, worker, and a self employed person. I will put a link in the show notes to my previous podcast episodes on this topic and also to the blog post I wrote. Just last week, in relation to the Hermes case. Of course, if you have any questions or any experience of this firsthand and you'd like to get in touch, I would love to hear from you. You can contact me by email, it's alison at realemploymentnoadvice.co.uk. I want to also, in this episode, touch on another case which has been in the news which I'm just going to talk about very briefly, because it's not strictly an employment tribunal case, but it does have implications for employment rights. And that is the, what has become known as the, I think it's known as the gay cake bake case, and you might have heard about it on the news. So for those of you who haven't heard about it, I'll just recap on the facts. So this is a case from Northern Ireland, and it's a case in which a gay man has brought a claim against a Christian bakery on the grounds of discrimination for sexual orientation. So basically, what I understand is the gentleman went to the bakery and wanted them to make a cake with the caption, support gay marriage on it. And the bakery, having very strong Christian beliefs, refused to do so. Now under the Equality Act, there is legislation in there to prevent discrimination in relation to the services and the provision of services which is what happened here. So although it's not employment related it is related to the Equality Act and the decisions that come about do impact on employment decisions under the Equality Act of course. And the case went through the courts and got to the Court of Appeal and they recently issued the outcome. Now the reason this is an interesting case is because it's one in which the courts have to consider the rights, the protected rights of the religious views versus those protected rights of sexual orientation. And it's weighing up those rights here, because what the defence essentially was saying were that the Christian bakers were merely manifesting their religious beliefs, on which they are entitled to do and which they have protection from discrimination for doing. And on the other hand, the gentleman was saying, Well, I've been discriminated against directly based on my sexual orientation. What the Court of Appeal decided was that sincere religious beliefs of a service provider do not exempt that service provider from the prohibition on direct discrimination on the grounds of sexual orientation as contained within the Equality Act. And in particular, they said, to prohibit the provision of a message on a cake supportive of gay marriage on the basis of religious belief is to permit direct discrimination. If businesses were free to choose what services to provide to the gay community on the basis of religious belief, the potential for arbitrary abuse would be substantial. So again, as I say, it's not strictly related to employment law, but it does have an impact on the application of the Equality Act to employment provisions. And those of you who keep up to date with employment law will remember a case not too long ago about a registrar who refused to undertake gay marriages because of their own religious views. And this case just follows on from that. And what I think the reason it's in the news, obviously, is it's quite controversial circumstances. And obviously, it's something that makes headlines. But I just thought I would cover it off in the podcast so that you understood exactly what the legal implications are. And of course, if you have any questions about that case, or the impact on your business or on um, your own situations, then do please get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. So that's it for another week on the podcast I do hope that you are enjoying them and um, as I've always said throughout I'm really open to any suggestions if you want to get in touch it'd be great to hear from you and if you want to have a look further at this show notes you can find more details at adviceforemployers.co.uk forward slash podcast forward slash 66 and if you're not already signed up to my newsletter you can sign up there and then you'll get the fortnightly blog as well so the blog comes the alternate weeks to the podcast. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you, that the information in this podcast is for information only it's general review and a general update it's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances so please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast but please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice